Hi there, and thanks for joining us once again for Cinematrimony. I am Matt Scalisi, and with me... Francesca Scalisi, your wife. That's right. And uh, so we're a little late to the party on this one. Well, to but be fair, I am the only one who's late you're to the party. La- you're late to the party, but, but uh, I've already seen the film we're going to be talking about, True Grit. As has most of America. Yeah, but, but uh, I think... Including a toddler. I think it's worth us having our discussion with the podcast... It's a relevant movie. People might want to hear what we think about it. Okay. Actually, there's already been a Film Nerds podcast, by the way, about it. So if you want to hear the rest of the Film Nerds roundtable talk about this movie, um, you will be able to find that on iTunes or back on the Film Nerds blog. You can find a link to it. But everyone really really just wants to hear your opinion. Oh, is that right? Everyone's clamoring, clamoring for my opinion. So, I mean, that's really the purpose of this podcast. So, firstly, let me say, you've you've seen a lot of Coen Brothers movies. Yes. Probably a very high percentage. There's probably very few of their movies you have not seen at this point. Yes, I would say that's true. Um, Overall, would you, are you somebody who, how do you feel about the Coen Brothers going into this movie? Um... I think they are good at what they do, but I don't always love their movies. I think they've had some big misfires. I think, not big misfires, because they're always made well, but sort of in the vein of Woody Allen, I think they're getting into the, like, we're making movies because we can, and we want to make them a lot and and all the time, and I think sometimes that means you get, I can't even remember the name of it, the one with Brad Pitt. Prince burn after reading, and you burn I'm after with you reading. on that. I didn't, I did not enjoy it. Yeah, and then you know, other times you get, uh, you know, No Country for Old Men. So I, I'm not, I am, I wouldn't classify myself as a fan. I'm an interested observer. But you did what they have to do. You did actually like a serious man kind more, of. more than I did. I think kind of. I mean, I think you know a little bit in the. Um, vein of Wes Anderson, I sort of like their humor, and it's weird humor, and it's not for everyone, but I, like, it's not like we're making jokes, it's like, they just kind of pick up on little weird human, yeah, humanness, and that is, I can appreciate that, and it's amusing, but let me go ahead and blow your mind, brother, I am not a huge fan of True Grit. Really? And I don't know if it's a case of you built it up, because you saw a preview screening. You didn't just see it when it came out. You saw it before it came out. Right. And you've been building it up and building it up and building it up. And, like, the best I can do is say it was good for a Western. But you know I don't like Westerns. Um, I think the best, the, the character I enjoyed watching the most was Matt Damon's character, Labeef. I, um... I mean, I think Haley, what you call it, did fine. Steinfeld. I don't think she was, she didn't blow my mind. And again, I mean, this could all just be that it's really? so built up to me. So you didn't love Haley Steinfeld's performance? I didn't love it. I think it was, I mean, I know part of this is the way it was written in the language, but it was like a little stilted to me. I don't know. And, and, and this is something that I realized watching this film because you're supposed to get this emotional impact at the end. And I don't, I don't think I've ever gotten that with a Coen's film. I don't think I've ever felt, like, really affected by it. I appreciate it, but it doesn't ever, like, get at me. It doesn't mm-hmm. make me 
really feel anything deeply. And even, you know, it was very moving when he's carrying her. But I was still like, I should have tears down my face no. at this point. Because I usually would in a movie. No, I'd agree with that. I think the Coen brothers are emotionally distant. And I think they probably would say that too. And that, to me, is what would have made this movie turn a corner. It was for there to be some emotional impact. And it seemed like there should have been. That's the thing. I don't know if I was just in a bad mood today. No, I don't think they do that. I don't think that's what they're going for. I think they are... Their films are more of an intellectual exercise than an emotional exercise. But that's what I'm saying. The way this film wraps up is literally this guy who's been, you know, so, like, grizzled and, you know, uncaring through the whole movie ends up, like, you know, like the horse, like, collapsing under the weight of trying to get her to be saved. And I still was like, I I didn't feel it the way that it should have. Like, on paper, Mm. it seemed like something that should have been really emotional and really should have, like, yanked at my heartstrings, and it didn't. I think it was more a logical conclusion to the story because it's his ultimate opportunity to prove, and I hate doing the title line, but it is, it's the one time in the movie that he proves his grit. Durr, Matt. The movie title is supposed to be pointing to her. No, but I think she's the character he, with the true grit who no, really is the one who toughs it out No, but time. I think also it's, it, well, no, it's building up it, to a test it. of his... It's a test of his courage because he's been built up to her, and the reason she trusts him is because people have sort of said that he's somebody who, at you know, will come through for you in the end. I know, and he but never I really think, does until that last moment. No, but I do think the point of the title is, you know, they say it right out, you know, oh, he's a guy with true grit. But then, you know, ultimately, she's the only one who never falters from the quest right. and is willing to absolutely go to the ends of the earth to do what she wants, you know, what she needs to do for her family, what she feels like she needs to do to avenge her dad's death. But, I mean, and yes, he has his moment of redemption, but I think the point of the movie is that the true grit doesn't, you know, lie in the ranger and the, uh, what you call it, thingy. That the marshal. The marshal. It's in the little girl. Who's well, I really think that's got the also fire true. In her belly. I think that's also true. But at the end, she is a little girl, and she needs him to come through for her and he does and so but 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 i think if there is you know i I agree with you it's not a movie that has a very strong emotional line through it but i do think i do think there's one scene that watching it the second time stuck out to me as actually sort of an emotionally powerful scene the way that it was put together and it is when They've sort of they've sort of all given up and they're all falling out with each other and and, and Labeef is leaving. Labeef is leaving. Yeah, that is he, a great scene. And he sort of says it's this great scene because he has not had respect for her and she hasn't had respect for him. But now that they've been through everything and he's getting ready to leave, I don't know. It was it, it was. This is what it, I'm saying. Matt Damon to me struck gave me the a, best yeah. performance and is the most of, interesting character. I kind of agree with you now that like, I've that seen scene it a second is so time. powerful to me. Like you know, he's kind of getting you know he's been all bluster and this and that, and then he's got tears in his eyes and it's just I love Matt Damon. Well, and he tells I her. Tell you, I, I, I just him. I love the kind of phrasing of it too, of just him saying at this point. I think he says something to the equivalent of basically like I'd do anything for you at this point. If I thought that I could help you, I'd do I would follow you forever basically. And it was just a very it was very uh, strong sentiment and it was sort of a, a step out for that character to say that. Well, right, but that's why it's a, you know that's yeah. why it is 
an effective moment is because he's been, you know, bluster and sort of the comic character yeah. to this point. And then he sort of showed his true grit when he, you know, <laughs> stood up to the four guys right, by himself. Sure. Well, in the end, yeah, in the end they sort of all come through. But but that, to me, that was the one moment that I think there was really some uh, unusual, unusually strong emotion for the Coen brothers. Um, but, like, I mean, again, that scene to me was actually more... You know that had more of an impact. I think on it was. Me I think it was more the, effective. Kind of yeah. the final scene before the. I think epilogue. it's my favorite scene in the movie for sure. Uh, uh, well, not my favorite scene in the movie. It's the most emotionally effective. My favorite scene in the movie, uh, and I probably told you this already before we saw it. Uh, so you had oh, yeah. expectations built up for this too. So tell know, me if they were shattered. You basically ruined a movie for me. Well, so thanks a bunch. Well, what buddy. did you think about the uh, store owner negotiation scene? It was fine. It was just fine. You it was didn't just love fine. It? I, like I said, to me, she was a little stilted. And again, I guess that's, you know, the the speech that I, I just. You didn't the charisma, love, you didn't buy I didn't, the I didn't dialogue. get charisma off of her, really. Like, I don't know. Maybe it was the braids. Maybe I was too distracted by how <laughs> severe and annoying the braids were the whole movie. I don't know. Because I just, I just wasn't. I, you're so you're so unimpressed now that now that I'm hearing about it, I bet you would put her last of the five best supporting actress nominees. Maybe so, and I hate it. I want to root for the little girl. I can't remember who all the best supporting actress nominees are. Well, you've got uh, Amy Adams and Melissa Leo right. from The Fighter. This is, by the way, not going to be relevant by the time that we put this. No, out. because the Oscars will have already happened. But yes. it's still important what you think, who you think should have won best supporting actress. So you got Melissa Leo. You got Amy Adams. You got um, from Animal Kingdom, uh, Jackie Weaver is her yeah. name. Uh-huh. And there's a Haley Steinfeld. And Haley Steinfeld is four, but there's a there's another uh, Helena Bonham Carter from The King's Speech. So I mean, you would at least I'll put her ahead of Helena Bonham Carter. No, I told you my feelings about that. I thought Helena Bonham Carter was great. Really? I, but you know what I think was criminally overlooked? I think that Julianne Moore should have been nominated in that category. I kind of agree with you there. I do. Um, you know, but I, I like I don't quite understand all the Oscar love for this movie. It's a it's a supremely well made movie. It is a well made movie. Uh, you know the story to me because you never really get. The emotions not being there make it feel like there's a vacuum in the story because she should be more um, emotional about finding her fa- Like, you know, you never see her grieve over her father having died. It just, it didn't come together for me. I mean, and again, like I said, I don't like Westerns, so, like, <coughs> I'm not very moved by, like, sparse dialogue or people rioting across a creek. Like, I don't give a crap. That's just not a genre that I'm into so I need there to be a good story for me to really connect with it. I mean, I would say probably I like Three Ten to Yuma better than I liked this. I feel like I, I I feel like I left the theater with a better feeling about that movie than I did this one. And well, again, that I was a much more poppy movie. I appreciate the craft of this. I just it didn't. It kind of left me cold. I will say that I've and I and so I don't understand other than that people love the Coens, why this is getting all this Oscar attention, because I don't think it's one of their better films. I don't think it's one of their better movies. I do think it's one of their better movies in the last ten years, because uh, I don't think they've made movies that well, are... Well, I mean, No Country for All Men was great. Yeah, other than that, though, I think they've made a lot of movies that don't work for me on a story level or an emotional level I think at what all. we've learned is that it it's better for them just to steer clear of, you know, 
an emotional impact because for some reason there's a block up there and they can't do it because this movie... <laughs> but I don't think they're trying to. But that's what I'm saying. This movie ends in a very sweet and soft way. It's a revenge movie. Well, not movie, really. But it kind of ends in a dark way in a little bit. Well, but that he does this great thing for her. Yeah. She doesn't get to see him, but she moves his body. Like, it's very sentimental here's, in the end. Here's what and, they you know, do. And, you know, no country for old men. Stuff that's dark and is just dark the end, they can do well. But it seems like yeah. this was a little bit of a misfire because it's suddenly... There's sort of a tone shift right at the end, but because it doesn't feel like you've built up to it, it doesn't really make sense. I, I agree with you about the very, very end. Here's here's what the Coens do well. They're genre filmmakers, right? Which is not about emotion and, you know, finding a human truth or anything. It's just about making a movie that works in and of itself and is fun. It's entertainment. And that's what they do really well. Well, but that's but, what I'm saying. In this movie, it would have fit more for them to ride off in the sunset high-fiving than for them to be this, <laughs> this like, you know, sad sort of ending of the main story and then, like, a really kind of somber but bittersweet epilogue to the movie. Doesn't really totally make sense. No, I agree. I don't, I don't get the very end. Uh, it doesn't really work for me. But... And she lost her arm and she's a widow. Like, it's just kind of like, what? Like, where is this coming from? Yeah, I don't... I don't, I don't I, it, like I said, I agree with you about that stuff. I, I do think, though... That as a genre film, as a Western, I think it's really, really entertaining. I think it's uh, it's fun to just follow them where they go. There's some fun um, kind of set pieces. I love the I love the stuff where they're up on the ridge, watching it all sort of play out below them. When Labeef rides up, and then Ned Pepper's gang rides up behind him, and they're sort of waiting on it to happen, and they're participating in the shootout I, I love the kind of logic of that action sequence and that and, and there's a couple of things like that that sort of echoed later in the movie when right he's riding at the gang and and Labeef is up on the cliff so that's that's really cool but here one, again, one complaint well. let me tell you one complaint that ben had um that ben flanagan had about the movie and let me hear what you think about it i'll probably agree um, ben said it he's he he finds the fact that, even though they mention it a couple of times leading up to it, that when she finally gets to Cheney, is that his name? Yeah. Uh, that it's a huge disappointment for Ben because he's very unimposing. He's not really uh, uh, a very intimidating bad guy because he's a simpleton. He's an idiot. But she, but that's actually mentioned several times that he's an idiot. Yeah. Um, well, no, you know what I actually thought happened in the film? Because at some point, when she's talking about him, Rooster says, or maybe it was Labeef, I can't remember. One of them says, like, no, he's just pretending like he is. No, Labeef says that, yeah. And there is a shift. When she's first talking to him in the river, or the creek, whatever it was, you know, and she shoots at him. He's acting like a simpleton. But then when they get up on the cliff, and he's with, there's like a tone change. When everybody leaves, he starts talking to her, like, differently. I noticed that. So I was like... Is he just putting it on for all of the gang that he he's is. a simpleton? Or if that was just a weird choice no. that Josh Brolin made? But I thought, like, oh, there's a there's a tone shift in the way he's talking to her. And he's actually acting... He's not acting dumb anymore. No, I think what happens... if you, He actually is thinking out loud. Because what he starts to figure out is... She starts suggesting that she'll go easy on him. Uh, yeah, she'll, she'll go easy on him with her lawyer if he... You know, if he sort of does what she tells him to do, and he, it sort of dawns on him because he's an idiot and he didn't think about it a second sooner that 
he can just kill her and he won't have to worry about her going easy on him or not. So, you know, he's, he's not, he's not smart enough to be kind of an evil genius. I don't think he is putting an act on. I think he is an idiot and it just sort of eventually dawns on him that he can kill her and make his problem go away. Well, here again, that, that is something that was confusing because why would it be written in that Labeef says, oh, you know, he's actually just pretending he's a, he's Because Labeef couldn't catch him. And that's what she says. He says, you know, he's, he's the, he's the, the idiot thing is an act. And she says, well, so, she says something like, well, it's, it's a pretty good act. Well, at any rate, well, um, you, yeah, that so was a little, uh, you found it anticlimactic. It, it was, what, I think it was strange said. because it was like, okay, she, she, like you would think she shot him. So then his reaction should be to immediately kill her. And you get that he's in with a gang and they don't want him to, but it's unclear why the gang wouldn't want him to kill the girl. Like what did, what did they have to you know, gain well, they just from her being alive. You know, I just don't, I didn't quite understand that. I think the dynamic just, of the bad guys. I think they just don't care. Uh, they're not, they're not well, right. If they don't care, then go ahead and, you know, kill her. Well, they're not evil. I mean, they're, they're bank robbers. They're, they're not, uh, serial killers or anything. They don't just want to like, I, I think that's what was interesting to me about that is that they actually aren't, the bad guys aren't just pure comic book character evil. Where they just want to kill everything that moves, they're, you know, they're greedy. But it doesn't. It wouldn't make any sense for them to just murder a little girl. Well, they except for it would be one. I mean, look, they had the whole thing where they had to go and get an extra horse because there was an extra person. You know, it would have. It actually they, doesn't make sense for them to go like, well, let's keep her hostage, but then we have to send back a horse, and then like, it just doesn't. Again, it. Wasn't well, if they the, kill her though, then they're going to get more attention. That's what they're trying to do anyway. They just want Rooster Cogburn and the Marshals to leave them alone. And, uh, you know, I think that's part of the, the motivation. Well, at any rate, there's not a, you know, for, for building in all these complexities to the bad guys and not making them straight bad guys, there wasn't enough time spent on them for me to really understand as a viewer, what the dynamic was, why they were acting the way they were acting. But yeah, it was, you know, the finding the guy was kind of very anticlimactic because, you know, he gets shot and he doesn't really respond to that. You know, and that and that doesn't make sense to me narratively why his knee-jerk reaction wouldn't be to, like, you know, shoot at her, you know, or something. Right. You know, it doesn't. he had a gun on him, and he gets shot, and it was like, you're coming with me. Instead of shooting back, you know, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't quite understand it. I mean, again, though, this is, like, a genre that doesn't make sense to me. It's shoot him out. You know, it's just not stuff that's interesting to me. It's not, I mean, yes, I can appreciate that it was well shot, the very long shots of, you know, four against one that happened twice well, in the film. But I'm not, that's not riveting cinema to me. That's not something I want to watch. That's not something I go like, oh, yes, it's a Western. I want to watch it. If you recall, we almost got divorced when you made me watch The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. <laughs> like, basically, I had a bag packed and was ready to go when you made me sit through that monstrosity. Yeah, and it's been discussed ad nauseum that women don't like westerns for whatever reason because that is not <laughs> like so much of the quote unquote narrative in a in a western is people standing at each other pointing guns at each other it's just not cool it's not interesting it's not giving me anything it's just one guy's holding a gun but then there's a shot of the other guy holding a gun and then it's their eyeball and then it's their eyebrow and their nose <laughs> is twitching and it's like 20 minutes to like shoot each other I don't care. Oh, it's so painful to hear you run down Sergio Leone like that. But anyways, I really, I I will say 
I probably built it up too much for you, as I did everybody, did. as did the world, though, because the right. world is talking about it like this. I'll, I think the reason it happened, the reason it... I think if, it was good. I don't think it was got, a bad movie. No, no. I just don't understand why it's getting all this I'll agree love. with you that it's overhyped. Having seen it a second time, I think I realize that it is overhyped. And I think, in contrast with the rest of the Best Picture nominees, um, I don't think it resonates as much with me as a lot of the other movies do. I think I was really excited about it because it was new Coen brothers that didn't suck because I've been so accustomed to What was uh, their last movie? Why are you so like down on no, that? A, seri- a Serious Man, a serious was man last and No Country good. were good movies. They've made a lot of just awful movies in the last The only one years. I can think of that was awful was Burn After Reading. Burn that After was Reading really was bad. Awful. Well, you didn't see The Lady Killers, which is one of the worst movies ever made by a good filmmaker ever. Uh, and Intolerable Cruelty was not very good either. No, you know what, though? Intolerable Cruelty is actually a little... F- it's 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 a comedy, and it's yeah. amusing. It's not great. It's got a bunch of stuff that's way out of place in it, out of nowhere. Of Just, uh, you know, the guy from Gilmore Girls chasing a woman around and making a choo-choo sound, and, and the, Cedric the Entertainer busting in out of nowhere with the gotcho ass All thing. Right. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Well... At any fit. rate, True Grit, I think, too, what kind of bothers me about it is that while it was beautifully made, I feel like it had the, the story had the potential to pack so much more of a punch than it did. And, you know, I mean, even if I hadn't heard from, you know, everyone from your parents to, like, everyone <laughs> who's seen this movie, it's such a good movie. I think still, even if I had gone with you on the preview screening, I don't think I would have been bowled over by it. I think it is a good movie. I don't. It's probably nine of ten in my ranking for the now that I've seen all of the best picture nominees. <laughs> I wonder what it's ahead of. What could it possibly be ahead of? <laughs> I don't know, Matt Scalise. You really you liked the kids are all right better than this too. Um. All right. Well. Well. I mean, yeah, I think I did because again, True Grit more than anything, it's just kind of good, and the kids are all right. You know, I can do it with less of the. Alexander Payne style sex for laughs, you know, in it, which bothers me. But there was a lot of that movie that was really good, really, really good. And that's, and I don't, there wasn't much of True Grit that I really was like, that was a really good part of the movie. Like, that really wowed me. I just feel like it was kind of, it was a pretty film. There were some clever moments, but it was a little uneven, particularly when you get to the end. And, you know, Matt Damon was my favorite part, and he didn't get any Oscar love. Fools. Look at I, that mustache. I would like to have seen him get uh, some sporting best supporting. Actor. And I mean, well, it was a tough category this year to break into. To be fair, I like, um, you know, his name. Who are you talking about? Uh, you know, Bridges. Jeff Bridges. Yeah, Jeff Bridges. Yeah, he did a I really like good him, job. But it, um, it, you know, he was just kind of a rambly. You know, I mean, like I enjoyed sort of the joke of him always like in the middle of a stupid conversation every time they were like crossing. An area, you know, like that was right, that yeah. was nice that they, you know, he's like, and then my second wife, you know, right, she like yeah. looks like she's about to like shoot herself in the face, right? You know, but like, I mean, that's nice, but I don't, I don't quite, again, I don't, and I don't fault him. I think something intangible about the movie didn't make it as emotionally powerful as it should have been, as it, as it was written to be. Like, I just can't, I can't put my finger on why it didn't work with the emotional payoff, but it didn't. And when I started thinking about it, I was like, you know, I don't know of any Cohen movie 
that I've really gone like I've really gotten like an emotional payoff. Well, that's what I'm saying. I don't think they. I don't think that's what they're going for. So it's not. Well, the but don't write a movie that in, in someone else's hands would make me weep. <laughs> if that's not what you're going for, they can, I feel like if they Ron Howard had made this movie. You know, I would have been like a basket case by the end. Yeah, but something but that's, about the cold, unfeeling. But Cohen's that's the difference. That's, means that I, I didn't have that. Yeah, that's the that's the o, that's the auteur theory, Francesca. So, but there, you know, like think about Miller's Crossing, for example. There, that's a movie that's actually about the emotions of its characters to some extent, but it's not an emotional movie. It doesn't give you strong emotions to well, watch look. it. It's a it's a movie where it's more about watching the characters do things that make sense for those characters to do and the story plays out in an interesting and entertaining way. That's what they do. But I mean, that's, but like Animal Kingdom to me is a movie that's about, you know, the characters and the logical conclusions of their actions and the reactions and this and that. And that to me was a more effective movie than this was. Well, I certainly was more uh, riveted by it. But I, I, I don't know. I, I, I come out of this feeling good about the Coens and their ability. I think it's a lot more even than most of their other movies from the last ten years. Not, more, not No Country for Old Men. That was a very even. But, you know, that was a very defined. They, you're right. You know, adapted it. I guess. They yes. Probably, well, they adapted this too. But, oh yeah, good point. But the, those two adaptations that they did are basically. Uh, you can tell it's very different from the rest of their movies they made this decade because the the tone is consistent throughout the movie. And the rest of their movies, the tone's just jumping all over the place. It's completely different from one section of the movie to the next. So I, I'm a little encouraged by it. I'm definitely entertained by it. And I liked the dialogue a lot more than you did. And I also liked Haley Steinfeld's performance more than you did. I think she brought a lot more to the table. If we want to talk about the Oscar category... I think she brought a lot more to the table than Amy Adams did, uh, or than Helen Bonham Carter, for sure. Nope. Uh, I, I probably would vote for Jackie Weaver or Melissa Leo over her, but I think she's. I think I think it's more interesting than the other two that I mentioned, and I. Um, I think it's a great looking movie. I mean, the cinematography yeah. is is gorge. Oh. <laughs> well, I mean, you can... I mean, all of their movies are. And the music was great, which is a shame that it's not nominated. Um, yeah. It's just... It was just good. Just good for you. It was just good. I mean, look. I mean, this is... I don't have any... I don't pretend to be some hoity-toity film goer. You know, I think I've made it pretty apparent. I like... I You're like populist. My, I don't. I wouldn't say that because Transformers makes me want to vomit. <laughs> I would say you're a discerning populist. How about that? Yes, but I just. I mean, in terms of my own personal bias, I'm going to like a movie that, you know, is like the King's Speech. That I feel like I feel better about the world when I leave it. It's made me, you know, made me cry, made me laugh a little bit. You know, I like my movies with a warm center, and the Coens are nothing if not, you know, cold. Filmmakers, uh-huh. good but cold filmmakers. You don't give yourself enough credit when you say you only like warm, fuzzy movies because you you can watch uh, Godfather or or Animal Kingdom as you just mentioned, and you appreciate movies like that, and you even like movies like that. yeah. But see, it, in, if there's not going to be some softness and warmth, then I want like crackling narrative. Okay, I want I want a really riveting story that I want to think about 
you know, two days later while I'm cleaning instruments at the dental office, twiddling my thumbs. Yeah. And thinking about a movie. And this movie, like, it's over and it's over. Like, there's not much for me to go back and reflect on or to think about the motives of or, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I'll agree. There's not as that we're we're definitely not having as much conversation about anything within the movie itself, you know, like we have with some of the other movies that we've talked about on this podcast. Yeah, I mean, it's just we're more talking about the merits of it, the hype around it, external things. Right. Um. You know, uh, we 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 can talk about if you have anything else you want to talk about, we can. I, I I'm I'm starting to think about. What's the next movie? I mean, we've done all the Best Picture nominees. We've done all the sort of awards-nominated movies. What's the next movie that we're going to see that we're going to do a podcast about? Probably Sucker Punch. Probably Sucker Punch. you like Punch. all the girls. That's not because I like all the girls, Francesca. Yeah, you do. You have to give me a little more credit than that. No, I won't. <laughs> so anyways, um, Francesca, thank you for talking about this movie with me. You're welcome. Do I have any choice? (laughs) Um, And if you would like to hear any previous episodes of Cinematrimony, you can find them on iTunes or on filmnerds.com slash blog. And in the meantime, as we... Is it on the blog page? Well, that's just where all of our content is. Well, what's on filmnerds.com page? Uh, You can find our really older podcasts. Uh, As as I've probably said on here before, uh, we we are planning a revamp for filmnerds.com sometime in 2011 so stay tuned for that but it, it, it's a little bit down the line uh as we said it, it may be a few weeks before we have another episode of cinematrimony so thanks for listening to us feel free to listen to the back catalog oh, in the meantime treat yourself catch up on Spend what you a few missed hours with us that's right and uh thanks for listening bye bye